Talks podcast, achieving success, social impact, and of course, overcoming obstacles. I'm one of your hosts here, Francis Kong. And I'm another one of your hosts, I'm Tammy Tran. For today's episode, we will be introducing Steffi Harner, co-founder and creative director at Startup Lady Japan. We will be talking about her journey from founding Startup Lady Japan to becoming a full-time technical mentor and software engineer for a full-stack JavaScript bootcamp in Tokyo. And I'm Stephen Chan. Amongst Steffi's many talents, Steffi is a cyberpunk fashion icon. Her work has been featured on Instagram. Steffi's mission is to create empathetic engineering leaders and empower women to pursue more technical careers. Now, without delay, let's welcome Steffi. Hello, hello, Imagine Talks, Hi, everybody. Steffi. I'm really, really happy to be here today talking to y'all. In San Francisco, so, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, we are in San Francisco. Yeah. And we're so excited to, to have you join us for our podcast, Steffi. It's been a while, at least for the two of us. It's been like two years since I've seen you in Japan. Yeah, since you came yep. to Tokyo. Those are good times. Yeah. Yep. And Come then four years once... together. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like ages ago, but. It, it has. <laughs> and in the few years that I haven't seen you or talked to you, you've been quite busy, right? Yeah. It's <laughs> completely different from when we both worked at a media company. Um, yeah. The last time I spoke to you, you went to Japan to like have a change in scenery. So how did it lead to you co-founding to co-founding Startup Lady Japan? Man. I don't even know, <laughs> to be honest. Like when I think about like, how did I get here? But it, when I when I do think about it, um, yeah, just everything, like everything happens for a reason, and one thing led to the other. Um, but I mean, when I oh, when I just like step back and look at what happened, it's just a domino effect. Um, but it wasn't obvious that I would get to this point. Um, me being a software engineer in Tokyo. Um, yeah, so well, where do I begin? I guess, uh, so yes, I'm Steffi, and uh, I moved to Japan four years ago, 2016 um, summer, and it was kind of my childhood dream to live in Japan. That's why I chose Japan. Um, I had left San Francisco after working um, with you, um, Tammy, at a media company. Um, yeah. but also just working in Silicon Valley in the health tech industry, just because I wanted a break from tech. Like, I thought I was done with it, to be honest. Um, a little bit of, I was, I had a sour taste in my mouth from the Silicon Valley tech bro culture. Uh, more on that later. But I guess the irony of that now because I'm a software engineer in Tokyo, is that I'm deeper into tech now than I ever was in San Francisco. So um, yeah, I, I can I can run away from the place, but I guess my calling will still catch up to me. Um, so when I moved to Tokyo, it was like a bit of an impulse. It was like a going with my gut feeling, and I had no job lined up, no concrete plans, but. Moving to Tokyo is really a pivotal event that has led to me feeling so fulfilled with my life. <laughs> um, the first two years, I was just kind of 
enjoying Japan, uh, studying Japanese, and uh, exploring Tokyo. Uh, just recording everything I saw and like posting it online because like just living here makes me happy. Um, I did a bit of, and still do, um, modeling, uh, voice acting, singing, kind of just all over the place entertainment. Um, and I think through that, uh, through like the content creation, um, I was approached by one of a mutual connection that actually I know because of because of Ed, Edge interns and Francis. Um, her name is Amy Zhu from Berkeley, and she uh, was a roommate with Jessica, which we all know from Kaiser internships at Kaiser. And she asked me if I wanted to help out with like a a video project. Um, that would promote female entrepreneurs in Japan. And I was like, yeah, I'm all about female empowerment and social impact. And I was like, anything I can do to help, I am happy to. So that's where the inception of Startup Ladies started. Like it was just us interviewing some of the few female entrepreneurs we knew in, in, in Tokyo and just telling their story and putting them on YouTube. Um, and I couldn't, I didn't really imagine that this little video project would, with four girls just meeting up in a cafe in Shinjuku every week, um, would t turn Startup Lady to what it is now, this um, thriving community of female freelancers and entrepreneurs um, that just meet every month uh, to empower each other and mm -hmm. to like get more people comfortable with the idea of being a female leader. So that that is really how that started, at least. Oh, that sounds good. How many members do you guys have? Um, um, yeah, so right now I'd say like our, our community of freelancers and entrepreneurs, we're about a thousand active members. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of crazy. I've met so many people, um, so many amazing women and men um, through this initiative um, and actually um, the reason why I'm a software engineer now is because of one of the amazing ladies I've met through this initiative. Oh, really? What's her name? So, uh, yeah, okay. So when, um, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, when, so one of the bigger events that we held uh, in our first year of operation was, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was Female Entrepreneur Night. Uh, and we were looking for, female CEOs, CTOs, and um, just leaders in Japan that would tell their story. We had a, we had a lineup about eight uh, presenta presentators, and her name was Yan Fan, and she's a CTO of a coding bootcamp called Code Chrysalis um, in Tokyo. And mm -hmm. I just remember, she was our final speaker and I just remember like I reached out to her and asked if she could talk and I thought she was cool but I was completely blown away with her story I just thought like she was just talking about her background from a, a non-technical career in finance and like how she took the leap into studying software engineering and I find myself to be a really open-minded person but mm -hmm. I just I guess I had this unconscious bias of what a software engineer was and seeing her in front of me, just telling her story, um, being a software engineer and now a CTO of a company, 
just kind of blew my mind and I thought like damn that is so badass like I want to try that too like I want to see if like if I could be a software engineer too um, and that's really how it started that's in 2000 2018 yeah oh you started in 2018 as like a software engineer or I started studying in 2018 yeah casually not like full-time I was like okay I'm gonna take a few like like courses online like Code Academy and like see what this is all about learn about for loops and variables and I had no idea what I was what I was getting into to be honest <laughs> right so that was in 2018 and I just I was just, I, I decided like at that time that, you know, I would actually give my all. Like I would put, once I started getting the hang of it and getting familiar with like syntax, um, I was just, I told myself, I'm going to dive in. I'm really going to, I'm really going to do this. Uh, and I took like a intro to coding class mm -hmm. and I found that I really loved it. Like I, it, I felt like this was for me and like it came naturally I was putting up I was putting a lot of hours of work into it but I was I was meeting all the requirements and exceeding them and I felt that yeah this is this is what I need to do um, and I really I think uh, what is it last year last year um, in January I said okay I'm gonna really dive full-time into this and so I really I took like six months to kind of cut all my my responsibilities. I cut down my hours um, for work and I stopped taking like entertainment gigs just to study software full time. Uh, um, and yeah, it took it took a while. It took a lot of time and effort. But then I got into Code Chrysalis um, <laughs> after four failed attempts of of um, doing an in-person technical interview, but I, I did it. Uh, Francis, do you? Good question. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier, and I'm curious about this. Can you um, compare your experience with the, as you call it, the, the programmers of Silicon Valley culture and what's the tech culture like in, say, Tokyo or Japan in general, but definitely Tokyo? Is it different in their attitudes? Is it similar? Um, because Japan does have the culture of being traditionally or can be chauvinistic in some areas, right? And, and you also have that in some of the Silicon Valley cultures too, but is there a difference? Does it permeate through both cultures or is it different uh, in that particular subculture uh, between this, the, the program chauvinistic attitudes in Silicon Valley and Japan since you've lived in both of these tech environments? Yeah, I guess. That's a really good question. Um, and I would say that it is the tech scene here in Tokyo is really different. I mean, in, I just like in terms of size, it's just a very, very small community here in comparison to Silicon Valley, which is like the hub of tech, right? Um, you kind of feel like a fly on the wall there, like everyone works in tech, right? But in, in Tokyo, it's, it's very different. Um, and in that way, uh, through Startup Lady, I really discovered that because like when you host these tech events or when you host entrepreneur events, you attract those kind of people and you end up seeing the same people 
with every event. Like if I go to another tech event, it's like the same people that attend um, startup lady events. And I just realized, whoa, this, this scene is really small. And I think that's when I realized like, if you put yourself out there in this, this world, like you are making an impact. Um, and that for me was really empowering, just realizing like, yeah, if I decide I wanna do something here and like put myself out there, like other people will feel it and other people, it will influence other people. Um, in terms of uh, being like a tech bro culture, I think that it does exist here, but it's just not as strong because it's such a s smaller community and tech is so new, right? It's just kind of in its infancy here. Um, people think of Tokyo as very innovative and like high tech, but it's actually quite the, quite the opposite um, in terms of software. Hardware, yes, it's like the leader in hardware, but not software. Um, actually, I found out um, at this this tech online tech meetup last week that the IT minister of Japan is um, this seventy nine year old man. <laughs> uh, that uh, he is also the president of the Hanko lobbyist group. And if you don't know what a Hanko is um, in Japan, uh, instead of signing things as your signature you need like a, a traditional like kanji like Chinese character stamp for it to be official like it's very very like it needs to be an actual stamp you can't it's not digital at all and so I think that's a really it, it makes sense when I found that out, I was like everything makes sense now like <laughs> like in terms of IT um, it's really archaic fax machines are still like a norm here like working remote um, was a really, really foreign concept that uh, people were sh pretty much struggling with um, right now during this COVID pandemic where <laughs> everyone is suggested to stay at home. Uh, it's, it's kind of in intense. Um, Follow-up question, and that's, that's really interesting because maybe it, maybe it asks this sub-industry a bit. Most of the world's most innovative and influential video games, which is largely software driven, comes out of Japan. In fact, I would say 90% of the influence in the past, at least, that came from Japan in terms of video game consoles. You make the console, but then the software drives pretty much 90% of the profit margins. Mm -hmm. and, and, and now I'm hearing that the software is um, dated, at least software culture is dated in Japan. Really? Yeah, I guess I guess that's a, that's a good point you bring up um, because like the game industry is just like a subset of tech of software here. That's I would actually group gaming in more into the entertainment part of Japan, which I think Japan does very well with as well, like um, in terms of like animation, three D graphics, and that type of stuff, like storyboarding. Um, so less on the software as a service side, uh, but more like software as entertainment. I think that is, Japan is definitely a leader in. But in terms of like what we know in Silicon Valley as like tech as a service and like applications that have utility other than entertainment, it is very, very behind. So you're saying that, is it a cultural thing that they box in all that tech software development into entertainment video game consoles and and they don't want to see it 
it spread into other non-entertainment software as a service type of applications or is it more cultural or is it potentially political or is it I can't imagine it being a technical I, limitation. It's not a technical limitation. I, <laughs> I think, if, yeah, it's definitely a cultural thing. Um, it just has to do with the structure of Japanese companies, like the hierarchy that exists um, in traditional companies. Because I think um, one thing that Japan does very well is um, tradition and like practicing yeah, just practicing it. And I think in many ways, Japan is stuck in that old way of thinking and just like following to traditional practices. And it's really hard for them to be innovative, innovative uh, when they're just so used to, so used to that. Yes, Steve? Yeah, and you know, one thing I, I wanted to catch, catch on to was something that you said, which was you are there to make an impact and in a way, you are with Startup Lady Japan. You're breaking some of the programmer culture in a way. What would you say is your the impact that you are making? Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. Okay, so I guess we're we're really stuck in our old ways, and the people mm-hmm. um, that are currently in leader positions in Japan, Japanese companies, um, and in government, like I don't, I'm not necessarily so sure that that can change you know i think that's going to stay the same but like with the new generation um, of young women and men that are coming into these leadership positions like if they have a different mentality they will lead the change and so i think doing social impact initiatives like startup lady um, just bringing inspirational people in front of young men and women um, that have a different way of thinking, um, have an open mind to breaking, you know, some traditions that in ways hold, hold us back from innovation. And once they become leaders or are inspired to become leaders, they can lead that change. Um, and I do feel that something so simple as holding like a monthly event where someone else just tells their story and talks about how they, they, you know, uh, did something that was difficult and like uh, persevered through it will inspire someone else to say like, Hey, I can do that too. I can mm-hmm. make impact as well. Totally. And I can definitely see the parallels. You're blazing that trail in Tokyo. Likewise, you know, we, we're here with our mutual co-host and friend Francis, who has done something similar with Imagine Talks and Miss Asian Global and allowing and empowering people to talk about their story. What would you, in your in your case, you've made multiple leaps. You traveled halfway across the world, and you said that you gave up your job in ent- entertainment, right? And, and in order to dive into learning coding, uh, what were some of the challenges that you faced uh, internally? Like, because uh, that that took a lot of courage uh, to do to all these leaps. Yeah, and so <laughs> thank you for that question. Um, I definitely felt a lot of, um, I don't know, there's there times where I, when I was studying, it wasn't sinking in. Like it wasn't, it was definitely not easy. Like I put in time, I put in like, a, I had to deal with a lot of frustration, a lot of imposter syndrome, just d- spending hours staring at my screen wondering why this code isn't working (laughs) and like just rereading the same line like hundreds of times and 
I was like, I'm wasting my time right now. I could be like doing something that I'm, I'm good at and like um, making an impact in that way. But it's, um, yeah, so just dealing with um, the fear of missing out, really like um, the trying to take in like the opportunity cost I was losing um, from spending time studying. Um, and it's really... It's like something you realize, like, you can't do it all. You really can't. Like, I can't, I was, I wouldn't be able to take all these um, entertainment jobs, like these modeling gigs or influencer gigs and dedicate this time to coding. I had to choose one. And I really had to listen to, like, the feeling that I had in my gut and said, no, like, I just have to persevere and figure this out. Um, and once I do, I'll get to the next step. And so it's, it's kind of, uh, humbling experience in that way like if you you just you kind of have to pinhole yourself and see that um set your eyes on a specific goal and anything that doesn't contribute to that goal just just for now it can wait it can wait because once you get there then you can you know pick it back up i think so i didn't when i gave up when i took a break from it all um, my social life and um, from doing the things that I love in entertainment I wasn't saying goodbye for good I was saying goodbye for now and so just say just saying like okay I could say it for later and it really helped yeah. me move along so where are you at in terms of your imposter syndrome and for those who don't know what imposter syndrome is could you recap what imposter syndrome is yeah I guess <laughs> So imposter syndrome, for those you don't know, is just like the feeling that you're you're not good enough. Mm. Um, just the feeling that um, you'll never be good enough, and like you shouldn't even you shouldn't even try, or that you're just like a fake. Like I think this is a very common feeling in tech and software engineering in particular. Just like dealing with the fact that there's so many things you don't know. Um, and you can't possibly know all the things that have to do with software engineering. Yes? So a question here. You said, um, and, and following up on Steve's question here, uh, what is imposter syndrome? And you said, it's feeling like a fake. So if you're going to say that, um, I would like to actually know from your definition, what, how would you define what a fake is and what is authentic then? What is a fake and what is authentic? Yeah, I feel like that needs to be defined before you can actually define what imposter syndrome is. Yeah, I guess I... <laughs> yeah, right. So um, what is a fake? So I guess in terms of software engineering, um, right now I am six months into my career as a software engineer, a professional, and it's kind of crazy to believe because I only decided I wanted to do this full-time like about a year ago um a year and a half ago and it's it's just grappling with the f the fact that like okay yeah I'm not like the best I am I am not the best software engineer that ever was but hey like I'm able to write some code and build an application and isn't that the definition of a software engineer like it's kind of just Yeah, it's like you feel like because you're not the best, you're a fake. Mm. But that's not true. You know, it's not true. It's not about being the best. It's about being better than you were before, you know, and like it's understanding that there are different levels of software engineering. 
uh, there's different levels of expertise and like kind of having the humility to look at yourself and say like I just started you know like I can't give myself a hard time and think I can I can build software um, just like a senior engineer with like 10 to 15 years of experience like I have to realistically look at myself and say like I've only been studying this for a year and a half like this is what I can do and it's it's pretty cool already and it's more than anyone else without that year and a half of studying experience without that six months of professional experience can do and just like recognizing that hey this is this is good enough I am not a fake I am being authentic yeah it's so just just to clarify then and it seems like this is a question for or not even a question to comment for a lot of people out there does or do you are you saying that imposter syndrome stems from people comparing themselves with, with what they consider the best and since they're not the best or at least comfortable to the best out there they are not real so they get confused yeah. with what is real and what is the best and what is fake they get those concepts confused and they don't see the, the, the gradation but just the absolutes of the two extremities. Exactly, exactly, Francis. And I, I do want to just well done. Let people, <laughs> yeah, let people know. Like, it's okay if you're not. It doesn't matter if like you're better than this person or that person. It's more about being better than you were yesterday. You know, it's about your personal growth, and having a growth mindset um, is having a good attitude and dealing with imposter syndrome and just accepting that, um, you know, that you're not going to be the, the, the number one and you don't, and you don't have to be, you just have to be better than you were before. And I think that really helps you get to your goals. And I see a lot of people um, kind of making excuses against themselves. Like they, they say that they want to be, they want to be a software engineer or they want to be, a model like this is also something in the modeling world too but they're like oh i'm not good enough i'm not pretty enough i'm not smart enough to do this and like that attitude that mentality prevents you from getting to that goal but if you kind of tell yourself like no i'm just a beginner i'm just learning how to do it i'm gonna keep trying even though like i'm gonna mess up over and over again but it's because because you keep trying you learn through those mistakes and those failures, and that's what is going to help you get to your goal. So this is interesting because you mentioned that this happens in the modeling world, and mm -hmm. there's this pervasive feeling that you're not good enough, that you're not the best. This is a question in maybe for all of us, and uh, Francis, Tammy, Steffi, Maybe, Steffi, you could go first, but do you think that this is uh, common in women versus men? Yes. Yes. I can say definitely. <laughs> um, and why is that? Yeah. You know what? Like, I do, I do think that girls tend to compare themselves to others. Um, and there's a lot of fear that comes from just looking around you and seeing like the girls that you see in media and saying like, I can't do what they're doing. I'm not like them. I'm not good enough in X, Y, and Z. And um, it prevents them from, from even trying. And it, it, it makes me, that's, that's one of the things that make me really sad and something that um, with startup lady, I wanted to fight. Um, mm. I wanted to bring girls and not 
putting like we're not we're here in this together we're not trying to be like a competition it's like we should we need to lift each other up so it's like i i would like for like one of the the missions in startup lady um is really to empower women and we do that basically by saying like here's some here's some like look at other people like look at your peers and look at people that have accomplished great things and don't see them as a competition like see them as inspiration for you to try and do that um and it it really helps um when these women are speaking to talk about the struggles that they've faced while getting to their goals because it's not it's it's so much harder than it looks you know if there's there's so much story that isn't told like on social media and like um just like up front like it, it needs to these women when they open up and say like i failed hundreds of times before i made it to this this place in my life that is what actually gets girls to be like oh okay i just need to try i can do it too and i am gonna fail like a and that that really removes the fear that many have and helps women deal with imposter syndrome. Tammy? Yeah, I agree with Steffi too. Um, women definitely ex would experience more imposter syndrome than men would. I think it's also due to societal like impressions on what women should be doing, what their roles are. Um, and so when, like what Steffi's doing, if she's breaking into the tech world and to being a software engineer, typically you would think that that's a man's job to do. And so for Steffi to do this startup lady Japan, I think it's very inspirational for both men and women, but mainly women to know that it's okay to break social norms, um, and for them to pursue what they want to do. And I'm, I'm very much inspired by Steffi doing this in Japan. And I think it's, it's awesome that she's started this. How long has this been? Like two years, Steffi, that you did? Yeah. Yeah. We started I started mean, like, late 2018. And yeah. you have like a thousand members now? It's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I think that's, just mind-blowing the fact that you even started this in Japan in a space where like Japan isn't that big in terms of software um, engineering and like startup as opposed to hardware like you you said um, yeah Steven you're the psychiatrist oh among my us. gosh I was gonna point to you <laughs> yeah I, 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 I got to you first oh my I, goodness I can, I can go do you want me to go or do you want to go I don't care. And, well, I'll, I'll say a few things about it okay. but I would love to hear your thoughts particularly since you know you this is your brainchild in terms of how people overcome obstacles I do think that women face a lot of pressure uh, from society to conform one way. I also think that minorities may face that too. When they're facing a new culture or they're in a, in an, um, say they've immigrated to a country, there's some pressure to sort of assimilate and to just conform and fit in. And I think that's a powerful human need to want to fit in, uh, but to break those barriers takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of resilience. 
we heard from Steffi, there's a lot of self-doubt that can come up. And I think that that's something that a lot of us face. I think though men may try to mask it, they may not admit to it. And instead it comes out in other emotions such as anger or uh, denial even. But that's what I've seen so far. <laughs> so <laughs> as, you know, especially yeah. with masculine, really masculine men, right? Uh, I've heard a quote before, um, and it's like, yeah? um, girls uh, guys, uh, boys blame the world, girls blame themselves. And I think that's, it's very true in many ways. Um, and I think we should all aspire not to be, you know, little girls and boys, but to be men and women and just kind of own up to, it's not, it's not your fault. It's not your fault as a person. It's not the world's fault. You know, it's just more like being realistic with how the world is and being realistic about like what you're able to accomplish and just moving forward with that. But I do, I do think that quote rings true in many ways. Tammy had a comment. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I agree with Steffi, but my comment was that it's even based off what you said, Steve, it's even more so based off Asian culture mm. traditions. Uh, they're even more, there's more conformity and um, an expectation um, that is set for people to follow. And then if you don't and you try to break social norms, you're either looked upon um, as shameful or something else, like something that's a disgrace. And that's pretty much hard to deal with and nobody wants to be on that butt end of it. Great. Um, so my quick take on this is that, yeah, absolutely. I think I think both men and women deal with uh, quote unquote imposter syndrome equally. However, the problem is that um, men, uh, as Stephen and, and all of you guys alluded to, have a lot of, the only word I can think of is ego <laughs> that they have to play with. Um, a lot of the, the chest thumping. And I think this is uh, a lot of it is cultural in, in terms of how it's developed. And when you have a predominantly male dominant society, like in many Asian cultures, that permeates into the entire family culture. So that ego, that, that, that um, self-protection defense mechanism permeates to the entire family, not just to one individual person now. And so males, okay. Let me back up. Females do have imposter syndrome, but because they don't necessarily have um, that type of, that, that level of ego to deal with, they're more open and more able to confront it more in a healthy way and even talk to it, people about it and share it more easily. Although that doesn't mean it doesn't, uh, is any easier for them to have to deal with themselves. Men feel like they have to chest thump and have to prove themselves, even if they know um, or they perceive that they are not that type of person that they are trying to be. Um, and how many people actually try to deal with it. If you can't raise yourself to feel good about yourself, you will bring other people down so that you don't feel as bad about yourself. So instead of trying to address the problem of your inadequacy, you will down talk other people. Mm. Who, who are in a position where you perceive them that you want to be or, or you, sh you hope to be or should be, but you, you now, just like Steffi said, blame the world. 
and say that person's a fake. I hate that person. He's he's he or she, mostly he, because they're usually competing against another male, um, is is a disgrace or whatever you want to call it. So male are, males are doubly hampered by this emotional constipation on top <laughs> of the fact that they can't uh, understand how to see the gradation of progress as opposed to uh, absolutes of beginners and professionals. That's just my two cents. Well, you know what Steffi and what Steffi had said, the hope is that um, a lot of this is like what how boy little boys and little girls would behave um, versus men and whatever you, you mentioned something it was beautiful uh, I need to look back at the closed captions to get that quote again <laughs> you said it way better than, than uh, I certainly did just now uh, quick question for Stephanie here mm -hmm. if, if I can um, so what are your goals in terms of are your goals for Japan or are they more for tech or do you have any plans to connect back to Silicon Valley? Uh, do you plan on, basically, are you planning on living in Japan for the rest of your life or do you want to go back and forth? Like, are you more invested <laughs> into Japan or more invested into um, tech as a whole, both globally? But I'm just curious what you actually see your journey leading to now. I mean, yes and, yes and no. In terms of asking me if I'm, if I'm planning to stay in Japan forever, like, I don't think so, but definitely for now. Um, I don't, I don't feel like it's my time to leave Tokyo yet. There's still so much I, I can do, but in terms of impact, um, I don't think that I want to limit myself to Tokyo or Japan. Um, I think now with like the dawn of social media and like the internet, like if you put things online, it can, it, it breaks barriers it, it, it crosses borders and so something that um, the energy that you put out online um, can impact people in different countries and different cultures and I do see that um, startup lady I mean like I'm talking to y'all from Tokyo to San Francisco so I hope that that is that can make an impact in the San Francisco community as well and let them know that these things exist in Tokyo and if they wanted to you know contribute they could totally just reach out and send me a message or something so no I, I don't think that um, we should limit ourselves to like a specific place and country, just like try as much as possible to make an impact to anyone you can reach. Um, in terms of my personal goals um, and where I see myself in the next couple of years is I'm just gonna keep like doing what I'm, I'm doing now, like still learning what I need to know to become a better software engineer, um, incorporating it into um, just more of my cyberpunk content creation and influencer work too because I do feel like that that has the potential to create impact and bring awareness to I don't know software engineers from non-traditional backgrounds and um, I will use use the technology that is given to me like social media as a tool um, to impact other people and inspire girls to do the same yes one quick question and follow up. Because of what you said about, you know, Japan being a little bit behind in terms of software, then how does Rakuten play into this whole thing? Oh. <laughs> like how like how how do you how do you explain that phenomenon with 
the general culture you've you kind of described to us in Japan? Uh, like- I don't know what you know about Rakuten, but we might we, we might have an interesting discussion now. So I never I don't work with Rakuten. Um, I've a code chrysalis like we do like an event uh, for we do a, a rapid API event with Rakuten and stuff. But I know a couple of people who work for Rakuten and they have very interesting perspectives. Do you want to maybe, maybe describe to the audience and viewers what exactly Rakuten Oh, okay, is? Rakuten. For those who do not know, okay, so I'm, I'm kind of stuck in my little Japan bubble so everyone knows what Rakuten is. But if you don't, um, it's basically the Amazon of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you take a look at their website, they, they do have like a U.S. Um, uh, an American version where you can buy online and e-commerce and stuff, but um, it's kind of archaic in in comparison to Amazon. Like the user, <laughs> the UX is a little dated. Um, everything's kind of cluttered, and there's a lot of Japanese culture in terms of just chaotic advertisement that is on there. Um, I think that's a really good example of uh, Rakuten's a really good example of uh, a Japanese company that is trying to adopt more Silicon Valley values and practices questionable if they are actually picking up the values (laughs) Uh, but they are trying so i think something that happened recently i think a couple years back is they rakuten announced that they wanted to be an english-speaking company in in the offices and they did that because they think that japanese the japanese language in itself uh, because of um, just the nuances that it brings in hierarchy is preventing them from adopting like a more agile and and tech innovative mindset. Um, and that is going questionably well. Um, I, I, from what I hear uh, from my friends who are working at Rakuten is it's still kind of half English, half Japanese. Um, and it's still very much stuck in their old practices. Uh, but I do think like just just the fact that leadership has adopted that mindset and like want is wanting to change in that way is a good sign. Um, yeah, but I, I'd say that it's n- it's not enough at this point, and we need to more Japanese companies need to continue to implement like implement those types of things and just keep keep trying to improve. You know, it's not a failure; it's just a it's a good start. Yeah. Can't Tammy had something? Yeah, um, sorry. That was actually really interesting what you said about uh, Rakuten and like their changing of um, hierarchy and culture. Um, what I wanted to ask you was more about like back to when you uh, talked about your cyberpunk um, social media persona. Can you expand more on that? I see uh, in the video that you're dressed up as one and you have like cyberpunk um, background or uh, an aura around that. So go ahead. Can you please tell us more about your um, cyberpunk persona? Uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you do follow me on um, Instagram, I do, I do use that as like an outlet of expression of just like the things that I love from my past um, influences from video games, uh, anime and manga that I love and still consume um, back in the day and now. Um, And I've kind of worked that into my personality. (laughs) Like this is like, this is kind of interesting get up 
for y'all, but like I actually dress like this almost every day, and this is actually how I go. <laughs> this is how I go to work, really? and I love. Yeah, and this is why I love the company I work for right now because they totally accept me for the person I am. I'm kind of um, going against the grain and colorful, and they just, you know, they just treat me like normal person. Um, but that's awesome. This I, I like how Japan is actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I work for a very open-minded, very open-minded company. I don't, I wouldn't say that they're a very traditional Japanese company. They're, That's they're not actually. Um, but anyway, so I, it, it, it may seem kind of like not related to, to my work as um, a co-founder of Startup Lady um, and a software engineer, but I, I believe that it, it's very much intertwined. Um, I do believe in this we are approaching a society that is becoming more ingrained with technology um, you know our cell phones and our computers are really just extensions of us now we're, we rely so much on applications um, just to manage our day-to-day -day in terms of calendar and to-do lists and like meetings like this like hey, would this be possible without the tech we have today and um, instead of just kind of fighting it you, we need to embrace it, embrace it for all its uh, uh, glory and all its benefits, but for also for all like the negative consequences that come up too. And um, if people don't know what cyberpunk is, it's kind of this dystopian concept that um, as we become a society that relies more on technology and we've created technology in order to help us as like help us thrive in this world as humans. Um, in many ways, it does take from us. Um, there's a quote, uh, a saying inside the cyberpunk community, uh, high tech, low life. And that's kind of, it describes just like this dystopian chaos that comes with like becoming so reliant on technology and like the negative impacts that it has on, on society and and communities very cool but uh might just one little comment when you uh when you interview from this asian global wear this okay <laughs> and and make sure you have yeah, that background I, back there uh, they're going to knock them dead they're gonna love that they're gonna be like uh we don't need to interview her just 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 say yes right now <laughs> I, I will continue to be me unshamelessly. Yes, do this. That I've... Yeah, where where do this exactly what you're doing right now? Do that for the Miss Asian Global interview. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what's right. missing? What's Miss Asian Global for those who don't know what that is? Ah, uh, let's see. I guess I should speak about that since since I'm one of the directors there. So Miss Asian Global is uh, the longest running Asian American pageant, 35 years this year. Uh, it's been around. Uh, pretty much since the 1980s to really, I think it was designed to give a voice to Asian American communities for young women, but it's really evolved into a professional development uh, organization now, really focusing on a lot of women empowerment, social impact, and entrepreneurship, which it does very strongly with the sister operations, Imagine Talks, which is essentially, um, I guess it's almost like in a it's inspired by a TED Talk type of, a, of, a, of an event, but really with a strong focus on Asian American women. Uh, but of course, we bring in a lot of speakers outside just Asian American women population, anyone who can actually share knowledge. Um, Steffi, we're hoping to invite to be one of the speakers next year. 
Stephen has been a speaker himself. Uh, Tammy has, has, they say, helped a lot in the background with a lot of the, the media and the podcast gathering. Uh, I usually show up there for the food. That's basically what I do. That's what you always say. <laughs> but uh, to everyone else, they do the real work. I'm really much just there to, to eat uh, whatever uh, food people bring. And, and that's usually how I live. Oh, Francis, that is such a lie. You organize everything <laughs> in the uh, back end. I, I do organize who brings in the food for me. Yes, I do. <laughs> well, like, you know, like we say, priorities, priorities. Definitely <laughs> parallels with Francis and Steffi. And Stephanie's breaking so much, uh, so much ground over in Tokyo, getting a huge community of folks together. It's remarkable. You should let them know, Steffi, if you're gonna be if you're, you're gonna be speaking at Imagine Talks with us, you need to let your entire community know that you're gonna be representing uh, during that time. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm really yeah, I'm honored that I was asked Stephen to be part of this. Now I think there's some cool Stephen, I don't know if this is the right time, but I think there's some cool photos that I see in the background there um, that look familiar to me. And was, would this be a good time to to, to like segue into some of those? Sure. Uh, well, Tammy, Steffi, it's, what do you think? Oh my gosh, are we going to look at my Instagram now? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a great time to segue into showing off Steffi's Instagram. Um, and a website too. And her website, yeah. Definitely to like take a look at her. Should, should we do a screen share? Is that sure, what you're yeah. yeah. We're, I mean, we're looking at this. We're looking at this on my uh, on my desktop, but this is something that everyone can view. And Steffi, maybe you could take a take take us on a tour. Oh, here goes. Oh, so yeah. Okay. Oh, um, a tour of my Instagram. Well, I guess if you go <laughs> to Instagram.com/slash Steffi Harner, you can see my my little expression outlet. Um, and as you can see, I have. I do post a lot of content um, where I am the model of these creative concepts that I've collaborated with many um, post processors and photographers uh, that really highlights just what I would say is a cyberpunk uh, neon shot. Yeah, that is, and it's just, it's so much more than bright colors and like a digital life. There's so much symbolism that go behind this, but I do enjoy um, it as an art in itself. But uh, as you can see, like many of the posts that I have, um, it features just um, like makeup you don't see on people every day or like myself as an android like totally yeah. embracing the tech that is that is becoming more ingrained into humanity um yeah i'm a little embarrassed that we're looking at my instagram on this no this well, is, awesome. this is oh, and, and this is remarkable i think you told us a little bit about uh how this particular portrait came to be yeah, yeah like how, um, how many people were involved in this t one picture here yeah, so this is a collaboration between three creatives, including myself. Um, we have a photographer, his name is um, Guillermo Alarcon, and he goes by Future Vision, and um, our good friend Wilmer Lenz. And uh, this came about, uh, this is shot in uh, Shinjuku Kabukicho, which is also my background here. It's, um, it's the red light district of Tokyo. It's one of the most... Um, for lack of a better word, ghetto, <laughs> um, um, unsafe places in Japan. Um, Which is perfect well, for cyberpunk. 
Yeah, it's uh, it has like one of the highest crime rates in all of Tokyo. If you tell a Japanese person like you went to Kabuki Cho, they would be like, "Why? The, the highest <laughs> what are you doing rates. there? Be careful." <laughs> The yeah, highest crime um, rate in Japan, which is probably something like Sunnyvale for us. Yeah, out here. It's, like, um, it's, it's pretty safe. Okay, I'm going to just say that I used to live um, right on the edge of, of Kabukicho and Koreatown, which is also the hood, <laughs> pretty much. The hood. Here. Tokyo um, hood. I had never felt threatened at all walking alone at night with my cell phone out. Um, yeah, it is it, comparatively to America, relatively safe. Um, it is a bit wild in terms of the Japanese standards, though. Yeah, so this is this is one of this is this picture that you're looking at right there. This is before the post processing done by by Wilmer. Um, yeah, there's a I love I love Instagram as a platform for meeting other creatives because um, these two individuals amazing amazing artists i only i've met through instagram just through putting my mm. content out there and we we reached out and say hey do you want to we have this concept you want to collaborate and um you really can make art just by putting yourself out there um meeting other people uh let's Stephen, can we have a quick look at her oh these are beautiful this is can a video see? actually of one it, of your yeah this is, sheets, a, right? this is yeah. a behind the scenes from one of the concept shoots that have we a video had. there so um, I love that. Is it is it right if we check it out? Oh please, yeah. yeah it's it's really short. But um yeah, this is just a behind the scenes. So this is like an amazing studio in Shinjuku. Um and this is one of my my friends, nice. uh Callum, and we've we've done a film together. This is also uh this is just like a fun a fun collaborative shoot that we did. But we're just supposed to be this uh relentless duo that is <laughs> the fighting for justice. <laughs> Is, is there a message that you're or an underlying tone or a yeah uh, yeah that you yeah exactly that you that you're trying to shoot for in, yeah in your work definitely I mean I think um I see myself as a cyberpunk um content creator representing certain values um and some of those are just not being afraid to go against the grain, not being afraid to be a rebel and a leader in in a world that is kind of oppressive, um, that is filled with like <laughs> the chaos and technology and just like putting yourself out there regardless of what other people think. Um, I know like my expression, the way I represent myself isn't everyone's cup of tea but um and that's fine like i'm i'm okay with that i don't need to make everyone happy i i think as long as i am um doing my best to represent myself and in and like represent myself and empower the people that i'm trying to empower without hurting any, anybody i think i'm doing okay yeah it's it's more about just being yourself and making the best out of, of out of the chaotic world did, yeah. did you want us to, I don't know if Steven got the, the, the link to your um, website, Steven. No, said, what's the website? Yeah, she sent a link to a website that uh, you might have missed it on the Facebook Messenger, but I think she did some, she has some pictures on the website that's not on her Instagram. Oh yeah, I'm in the shared. process, it's in the process of development, Can, so it's still hosted on Netlify. Steven, but it's, would you like, oh, there you we like, are. Did you, do you, do you like oh, me to try to send it? Is it? Do you, do you have it? So it's on Other, Netlify. Otherwise, I can see whether or not I can try to send it to you. 
Is this yeah, it? This is, this is my in development portfolio um, for my, my modeling and entertainment um, built with Gatsby. I highly recommend this technology. Ah, Y'all should nice. try it. it. It makes lightning fast, lightning fast website. But yeah, so I have some cyberpunk portraits and this is some of my favorite yeah, these are nice. that I've worked with. Uh, yeah. yeah, these are really nice. These top two, I, um, the photographer here, he's a creative director at Sony PlayStation in huh. Britain. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's amazing. He has amazing work. Uh, Nigel Raymond, please check him out. This one I like. This has uh, some really cool Laura awesome. Croft themes Kabukicho. to it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, tell us about each picture if you can as we go down. Each and... picture? This is a yeah. film, right? Yeah, this is from a film called Spiritual Machines. Um, Ghost and directed by <laughs> Creative directed by um, Future Vision. Nice. Yes. And so, yeah, I'm on, on a superficial level, my photos are a lot of neon, um, a lot of just kind of aggressive character, female characters um, that I, I fit into that <clears throat> role here. But I do, I do love this expression of art in the terms of just entertaining and just showing women like, hey, you can do this too. Like if you wanna, be a software engineer and be a model, um, you can. You just have to try. <laughs> you just have to put Actually, yourself on that there. note, who are, your, who are your hero software models? Who are my heroes? Oh, man, they're so... Yeah, this is honestly, like, I, I am one of the many. Like, there's... I say many, but there, I guess there's a, there's a few. I'm not the only software engineer model. There are other software engineer models out there. Um, and... I do think that they all deserve to be interviewed on a podcast so other girls can see that like you can do these things. Uh, yeah. Well, that picture is amazing. That's like so four of you. I know. Did you clone yourself? I, I, <laughs> I want to know how to do that. I've been trying to with really bad results these past few years. Hey, this, it's post-processing. I mean, like, I think nowadays we're we all have access to free software. Um, if, you, if you can imagine something in your head, you can make it happen um, in a digital form. So this is all like post, -pro I mean, it's taken with a very nice camera. <laughs> it's, uh, it's taken with a lot of um, work in the makeup and the costuming, but also like a lot of work in Photoshop. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, you can do anything if you imagine it. But these are all really nice photos. I liked how they all turned out. Thank you. Yeah, these are some of my favorites. Uh, this, these ones um, are shot by Akira Haribai. Uh, please check them out. Very cool. So remarkable. What's the, what's, the, what's the two red marks on your cheek? I'm just curious about that. Oh, that oh, are, those, this... are, those, are those like injuries or are they just like war? No, war <laughs> is that what it looks like? I mean, I, I guess know. you can you can. I couldn't tell whether it was an injury pain. or like is that war um, pain you're ready to go. It's inspired by a kitsune mask. Cool. Uh, it's a, a Japanese culture in a lot of matsuris. Um, mm. They wear a kitsune maxim. A kitsune in Japanese means fox. Mm. It's, um, yeah. So I'm, I represent just like a mischievous, mischievous character here. Cool. This is cool. I love this one. Where's the shot in front of? This is in a Chinatown in Yokohama, which is about like 40 minutes south of Tokyo. 
Um, the character that I, I play here is inspired by an anime called Furikuri. Um, the main, one of the main characters, Haruko, um, she is a rebellious alien <laughs> that is, that is seeking, seeking divinity and God. Um, through technology and so I just love that character she she wields like a she wields a guitar and she uses the guitar to like um, kind of find God by I don't know you have to watch the anime it's really confusing <laughs> if I explain it like he she hits people in the head and then machines come out of out of their injuries and one of them might be God it's it's very <laughs> You definitely can't do this in Sunnyvale. It. Can't do this in Sunnyvale, right? <laughs> no. you can't even, you I don't. I don't think you can do this in Chinatown, San Francisco. This, this is the guitar right here. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. So cool. Um, Here's your film again. This is also from Spiritual Machines. Nice. Yeah. Well, Spiritual Machines is that a play off Ghost in the Shell? Oh my gosh! Look um, at this. It has, it's its own thing, but I'm sure that it finds inspiration from that. Yeah, these are also clips from, from. Um, film as well so uh, what is the longest film that you've created uh, yeah well of course it's not just me that creates these things it's, a, it's like a team of, of okay okay well production, a <laughs> production team but i've been it's probably yeah this one um this is my my first film where i was the main the lead it was yeah. i was really nerve-wracking it's like oh am i gonna be like the main character in a film like that's that's so nervous i had um, lines in japanese too i I definitely, <laughs> definitely had to practice a lot too. And is this something that we can Girl. stream or rent or? So it's currently purchase? in production. So oh. um, I will let you all know when it is finally released. That is super cool. Awesome. That's very Laura Croft. I love that one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for <laughs> plugging into my Instagram. Please give me a follow if you enjoy this content. I am going to keep creating. That is rem- that's so cool. Well, um, Tammy, would you like to close out? <laughs> close oh, out, close yeah, out. Yeah, sure, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I, <laughs> I was just so amazed by You're all stunned. Your- You're stunned. <laughs> no, I am. I'm like, it's amazing that you've done all of that while doing your um, software engineering, while pursuing it, and then now you're actually in that position. And then also founding Startup Lady Japan. I do not know how you balance everything. Um, You're simply amazing, Steffi. Um, (laughs) But um, saying that, thank you so much for um, being on our podcast and talking to us. Um, Before we end the episode, please let us know, please let the audience know how to connect with you and where they can find out more information about you. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Stephen. Uh, Thank you, Francis. Thank you, Tammy, for having me on Imagine Podcast. I was really humbled that you even asked, um, you even asked me to be in this. um, And I'm really happy you gave me a platform to share a little bit about my um, confusing, confusing story. Um, but um, if you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on YouTube, um, find me on Twitter. Um, my name is Steffi Harner across all platforms. So yeah, p- please feel free to send me a message or an email. Um, I do, I do, will eventually respond once I, once I f- get around to everything. Yeah, all the notifications. That's awesome. And uh, thanks so much, Steffi. Francis, Tammy, 
Um, and for everyone who's in our audience, you can learn more about Steffi again at, at Steffi Harner. That's S-T-E-F-F-I-E-H-A-R-N-E-R on Instagram and social media platforms. If you'd like to learn more about Imagine Talks, you can go to imaginetalks.org, edgeinterns at edgeinterns.com, uh, and myself, Stephen Chan at mentalpowerhacks.com, and uh, Tammy Chen as well. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. All right, thanks. Thank you.